This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the morning worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for September 24th, 2023. The title of the message is The Uncertainty of Following Jesus. We come now to uh, the reading of God's Word, the reading and exposition and preaching of it. If you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. And if you have a different translation or you don't have a Bible, you can follow along uh, with the slides behind me. We are continuing in our morning series through uh, passages that speak to what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the uncertainty of following Jesus. It doesn't mean that uh, everything is completely uncertain, but from our perspective, we have our uncertainties because we don't know what tomorrow brings But when we follow Jesus, when we follow the Lord who knows uh, what tomorrow brings, then we can trust him for our tomorrows. And so I'll be concentrating specifically on verses 57 to 58. Um, Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word that is clear, for your word that is inspired, God-breathed, and given to us to equip us for every good work, to rebuke us, to teach us, and to point us to the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that every jot and tittle speaks of Jesus. So this morning, would you feed our souls? Lord, may this be a sumptuous meal of your word so that everyone would know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. Would you bless me as I read and particularly as I preach so that your people might hear and that they might be filled and satisfied. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear now the reading of God's holy word beginning in verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. May he add his blessing to it this morning. Uh, If we are honest with ourselves, we, we want certainty in almost every area of our lives as much as we're able We want to know that if we follow someone else's advice or directions, they know what they're doing. The same goes for our discipleship in Christ. Uh, The same goes for what it means to hear the call of Jesus to come and follow me, deny yourself, take up your crosses. And so we we want to know exactly what we're getting into 
And on one level, we do, right? Because we're going to follow Jesus because he is our Savior. He's the Messiah. He's our Lord. And he calls us as Lord and as Savior to come to him and then follow him wherever he leads. But on another level, there is a lot of uncertainty because we don't know uh, what day-to-day that means. We know what the end of the story means, but we don't know Uh, We don't know the in-betweens. And so we want absolute certainty that if we put our faith in Jesus and we give our whole lives to him, that it's going to turn out well for us. And and, and so the control freak in us uh, wants that kind of, you know, yeah, Jesus, but, um, you know, how hard is it going to be? Or, you know, uh, how much... Uh, are you going to let me know so that I can feel that I'm in control? And, uh, and but it's really it's really shocking when you simply read some of the the passages where Jesus simply calls, you know, come follow me, and they just drop what they're doing and they go. They follow instantly. They don't have any questions. They don't have any qualms. They they don't have things to do before they can follow Jesus. They just simply drop and go and follow Jesus with the clothes on their back and the shoes on their feet. And maybe, you know, if, if they had money, maybe um, uh, whatever was in their pocket, and they just go and follow Jesus. And so when it's really hard for us, if we're honest, it's really hard for us to, to, to fathom that kind of discipleship. And, uh, but we follow Jesus anyway, but it doesn't mean it gets any easier as we follow Jesus more and more. And so there's always some part of our lives, uh, some part of our hearts, where we hate to, to have that kind of uncertainty uh, unless we know for sure that Jesus knows what he's doing in our lives. And when we feel that uncertainty, when we follow Jesus, uh, we, we just freak out. We're anxious. We're worried. We're afraid. And our faith is going to be shaken. And sometimes we, we don't give our faith over in that particular area of life. And so we, take control, we try to take control uh, on our own. And that's when we get ourselves into trouble. But following Jesus means that we're not in control of our lives. Let me just say that one more time. Following Jesus means we are not in control of our lives. We may, we may know that intellectually, but in our hearts, it's the hardest thing to do. And following then Jesus when we are not in control of our lives means living with the uncertainty of not being in control. And that is the uncertainty of what it means to follow Jesus. That's what discipleship is all about, is trusting Jesus with that uncertainty because our, the certainty that we need to have is, is in Jesus and not in our control. And that's what our passage is about this morning in verses 57 and 58. As we continue in our 
uh, in that series through walking by faith and not by sight, we're going to look at the uncertainty of following Jesus. And so how do we follow Jesus in the midst of that uncertainty? First, we follow Jesus in the uncertainty of the discomfort of our lives. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he's, Luke tells us he turns his face like flint towards Jerusalem. And if that particular saying uh, in the context of the whole Bible is that Jesus is resolute and firm in making his way to, Jesus, to, to Jerusalem because that is where he is going to be betrayed, arrested, crucified, and die. And so uh, the context here is he's going through Samaria and they're all rejecting him. They don't want to give him any food or shelter or any kind of help. And so he's still on his way. And beginning in verse 57, there are three people who are examples of the kinds of, of disciples that uh, he's coming across. And these are three prospective disciples. And the first one we're going to look at, the first one just comes up to him uh, in the zeal of following him. And he says, I will follow you wherever you go. And now we're not sure uh, who this person is, but Jesus answers. Uh, you can almost see, you can almost hear the, the, the little chuckle in Jesus' response. Like, you know, like, do you really know what you're asking? You know, he gives this parable-like statement about what it means to follow Jesus wherever he goes, right? He says, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That's not the answer you want to hear when you say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. You want to hear an answer, something like, oh, yeah, you're going to have a great, you're going to have a warm place to sleep. You're going to always have food. You're going to have a roof over your head. You're going to have clothes. You're going to be as comfortable as you can be when you follow me. <laughs> That's what we want to hear deep in our hearts, isn't it? <laughs> but that is not what Jesus says. He, he does the complete. I mean, if, if there's any answer to someone who is, is zealous to follow you and you want as many followers as you can, this is not the answer you want to give. But this is the truth. This is, this is the reality that Jesus knows in his own heart of what it means to follow him wherever he goes because he is on his way to Jerusalem to suffer and die, to be hung, hung upon a cross, to bear our guilt and our shame, to suffer the punishment for his people, to be forsaken of God, to experience hell on earth, to be utterly abandoned by his friends, by his family, by everyone who knew him, even his own heavenly father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is in that context that Jesus is giving this, this uh, prospective disciple of the realities of discipleship. So what is Jesus telling him? What is he saying about the nature of discipleship? It means letting go of our preconceived notions 
of what it means to follow him. We're not sure, but because Jesus answered the way that he did, this guy, I don't think, really knows what he's asking. He doesn't really know what he's saying. It's a lot like Matthew uh, 16 and Mark, uh, Mark 10, where James and John kind of set Jesus aside. They're on their way, and they set Jesus aside like, Lord, Lord, uh, you know, uh, you know, they're kind of jostling for position among the disciples. They say, Lord, can each of us be on each of your sides when you reach your glory? And, um, and what I think is going on there is James and John think that Jesus is a political Messiah, that he is going to come and overthrow the Roman government, and he's going to become kind of like a new David uh, sitting on a throne to restore the glory of the, of the Davidic kingdom in an earthly way, in a political, military way. Uh, maybe they're expecting Jesus to work some mighty miracle the way that, that uh, God had done uh, in the time of Joshua so that all of, God, of the enemies of God's people are just kind of run away because they're afraid at the power, the almighty power of God. Maybe they think that that's the kind of glory uh, and kingdom that Jesus has come to bring. Uh, but uh, Jesus responds to them. He says, you don't know what you're asking, <laughs> right? And they said, oh, yeah, we do, we do. And Jesus goes on to say, well, if that's the case, then you will. You will drink the cup that I'm going to drink, the, drink, the, the cup of, of, of God's wrath, of, of suffering, uh, of rejection, of persecution. You will be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized uh, on the cross, uh, suffering in the place of sinners. You will experience uh, what I experience, and that's how you're going to be sitting or st- sitting at my, my, both my right and my left. There's, a, there's a, an irony there. And I think that's the irony of this disciple saying, I'll go wherever you go. And so Jesus is like, okay, well, uh, you're going to be following a homeless man. That, that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is essentially homeless. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But me, the son of man, I have no place to call home. I have no bed where I, I, I can say I, I'm going to go to sleep. He is an itinerant teacher and preacher. He, he goes from place to place, living off the generosity of, of God's providence through his people. Last week, we looked at uh, Zacchaeus. You know, there, that, there's a reason why G- Jesus knows when he comes through Jericho, he knows that he has to have a place to stay, a place to eat. So he says, Zacchaeus, I, I must stay at your house tonight. And that's the the nature of Jesus' ministry. And that becomes the paradigm for the nature of discipleship, of following Jesus. I will follow you wherever you go. And the point here is that this guy, this this, uh, prospective disciple, he doesn't really understand what he's saying. It's not what, what he thinks it is. It's not what we think it is. It's not sunshine and roses. It's a kind of homelessness, uncertainty. It means being a stranger in exile 
uh, in the world like Jesus. It means persecution and suffering. I wonder how many of us uh, have said the same words, not understanding the cost of following Jesus. Uh, and sometimes we wonder, I wonder if how much we resent Jesus deep in our hearts because following Jesus means uh, sacrificing something that is dear to us. Um, I remember uh, counseling a young man who, who uh, was growing in his faith and he went to a, a large private university where the Christian community was so small uh, and they were, there were all, he, he was a young single man, and there were all of these eligible, beautiful, attractive, single women in his school. But only one Christian that he would, that he would come across that was even remotely uh, eligible to date. And, uh, and he had to sacrifice what he thought would be happiness with, with uh, these women who didn't follow the Lord. And, and it, was really, it was really sad because what ended up happening was, you know, he thought that he didn't have to sacrifice that for Jesus. Uh, he thought that he could just date a non-Christian woman and he could still follow Jesus. And what ended up happening was he couldn't sacrifice this idea of dating whoever he wanted in order to date a Christian woman in obedience to him. And he thought that he would find his true happiness with, uh, with the prettiest girl that he could, he could uh, ask out. And he made his choice then and there. And then slowly he drifted away. He slowly drifted away um, to where his faith was non-existent. That's the kind of sacrifice uh, that Jesus is calling us to consider, the cost of discipleship, that we have to, to count it before we make it. Not after, but before. It also means following Jesus into the, dis- into the discomfort of his life, It means being able and willing to follow him with a level of uncertainty because we trust in him to lead us where we need to go, where he's going to go and we need to go, not where we feel most comfortable to go. In other words, Jesus is saying you you have to count the cost that comes with following me. Uh, The cost of giving up your worldly comfort, the cost of, of being in control of your own life to the cost of your security as you know it. And here's what it means for us. We may not know what tomorrow will bring, but we can trust in the God who knows all our tomorrows. We we may not be in control of what happens in our lives, but we can trust in the God who who is in control of all things who numbers the hairs on our heads, who knows the end from the beginning and everything in between, who won't let even a hair on our head fall without his divine permission. 
J.C. Ryle says this, let us learn from our Lord's words on this occasion that he who would have all who profess and call themselves Christians be reminded that they must carry the cross. They must count on being despised and afflicted and tried like their master. Jesus would have no man enlisted on false pretenses. He would have it distinctly understood that there is a battle to be fought and a race to be run and a work to be done and many hard things to be endured if we propose to follow him. Salvation he is ready to bestow without money and without price. Grace along the way and glory in the end shall be given to every sinner who comes to him. But he would not have us be ignorant that we shall have deadly enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and that many will hate us, slander us, and persecute us if we become his disciples. He does not wish to discourage us, but he does wish us to know the truth. See, Jesus is just telling us like it is. He's not sugarcoating it. He's not kind of back-ending the hardships. I think that's, our, I think that's kind of our, our inclination. We put, we put all the hard things at the end so they kind of, it's almost like a bait and switch. Like, oh, here's the wonderful things about the Christian life, and then here's the hard things. But it's only after, right? Uh, instead of maybe the paradigm that we ought to do is, I mean, not to kind of, push people off uh, to follow Jesus, but to say, hey, you know, following Jesus is not easy. It's the hardest thing in the world. It's the hardest thing and the easiest thing. But uh, our, our faith has to guide us to trust in him and not live by fear, but by faith. Uh, to uh, not look for security uh, in this world, but find our security, as we'll see, in Christ. This is why when we experience the ups and downs of the uncertainties of our lives, we shouldn't be surprised. In countries that persecute Christians, like in the Muslim world, following Jesus can literally mean uh, being homeless, being jobless, being without family, and even being killed. How do you, how do you share the gospel with people knowing that this is what's going to happen? And, and what, what, what I've heard from missionaries in those countries where following Jesus means certain uh, death and, and exile is for them, Jesus is worth it. Jesus is so worth losing everything in order to gain him. And that's the perspective we need to have. And that's the perspective that we're going to see. Another reason why I think this is the case that the comfort of following Jesus uh, can be so hard is that it force, the uncertainties of following Jesus can be so hard is because the comfort that we normally find in our circumstances, we have to be prepared to find them in Jesus, not in our circumstances. Jesus is telling us that the cost of following him means having, not expecting any worldly comfort. And he does that so that we would find our true comfort in him. When we trust in the Lord, not being able to find our comfort in our circumstances, 
right, in our jobs, in our homes, in our families, in our 401ks, in our bank accounts, uh, in our reputations, and how much, peop- how, how much people love us rather than hate us, uh, at our wealth or whatever it is that we look to for comfort in this life. We're, we need to find our more certain comfort in Jesus Christ. Who he is and what he's done and where he leads. And this is why, for example, in the, in the 23rd Psalm, the psalmist says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even when everything is dark around me, even when I've lost everything, even when all of my enemies surround me, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, what, what, what Jesus is saying here is that if you will follow Jesus wherever he will go, you will not have any worldly comfort. And the only comfort that you have is Jesus. I think that's what we miss in the Christian life when we're going through Difficulties and uncertainties, uh, going through sufferings and trials, is we're looking for comfort in things that are uncertain anyway, right? Certainty and comfort in this life is just an illusion. It's all going to go away somehow, sometime. We're either going to lose it, we're either going to have it stolen, or it's going to fade away like an old, like an old sweater. Uh, but when we follow Jesus, that's where our comfort will be. He's, let me put it this way. He ought to be our home, right? That's, that's Jesus saying, okay, well, you know, foxes have, have holes, birds have nests. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Uh, and if we follow him and find our comfort in him, then he becomes our home. That's, that's uh, something we see throughout our culture, Home is not a building. It's not a bed. It's not, it's not an edifice. It's not a neighborhood. Home is where we live with the people that we love. That's where home is. And so wherever we go following Jesus, that's home. When we have no other comforts in life, when all we have is Jesus, when we find all of our comfort in him, then we realize he's all the comfort we need. And that's my hope for all of you this morning. Where is your comfort? Is it in your job or your possessions, in your looks, or in anything else? I love the first question of the first question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism. It just sums it up so well. What is your only comfort in life and in death? that I am not my own but belong, body and soul, and life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation because I belong to him. Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. See, this is the point. The point is, when we follow Jesus, everything 
may seem uncertain, but from God's perspective, uh, his love for us is absolutely certain. When we follow Jesus, uh, everything seems uncertain from our perspective, but we have to trust in the certain things that are with God. That he is sovereign and in control. That if he is for us, who can be against us? Uh, If he is in control, then who do we have to fear? What do we have to fear? I like the way John Bloom, he says this. The uncertainty we are faced with is only apparent uncertainty. Our future and our provision and our ultimate triumph are certain to God. He has all the foreknowledge, power, and resources necessary to ensure these, and he has the desire to turn everything for good for those who love him and are called by him. Apparently, uncertain seasons are often some of the most powerful moments we experience with God in this age. More than seasons of security and prosperity, they demonstrate that God exists and rewards those who seek him. Friends, brothers, and sisters, here's, here's the challenge of following Jesus wherever he will go. It means that there's going to be uncertainties in your life, and it will be during those times of uncertainty that you have to anchor your life in the certainty of Jesus, the certainty of your salvation in him, of his love for you. And this brings us then to my conclusion. We can live with uncertainty because in the gospel, we have the certainty of salvation. This is the certainty that we find in Christ, the Son of Man who left the comforts of his glory and entered into the discomfort of this world and of our lives and of our sins. He was born of a woman, born under the law to save those who are under the law. He was born not in a palace of gold or glory, but on a cold, starry night, born in a manger, born in a stall because there was no room for him at, at the end. He grew up poor. He was homeless and poor. Paul puts it this way, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, he experienced the discomfort of our lives so we might have the comfort of his grace. He willingly entered into the uncertainties of our lives so we might have the certainty of his love. He experienced the exile and abandonment of the cross so we might have the love and acceptance of the Father. He experienced the ultimate discomfort of God's wrath for our sins so that by faith we might have the ultimate comfort of God's love in Christ Jesus. We have the certainty of that love in the certain forgiveness of sins, the certain righteousness of Christ imputed to us, the certain adoption as sons and daughters of God, heirs and co-heirs with him, the certain holiness of sanctification, of being made holy more and more to become conformed to the image of Christ, and the certain hope of resurrection and glory. That is the greater certainty that ought to guide us and anchor us and give us, 
give us uh, confidence to go forward in the uncertainties of our lives because that's what we know for sure. And so we latch on to that and we pull it like an anchor to shore. We may not know what tomorrow will bring. God does. But we know how the story ends and that's what'll keep us going. In the gospel, Jesus took all of our discomfort so we might have all of his comfort. He became like us so that we might become like him. And that's how we can say, I will follow you wherever you go. Because Jesus is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our affliction. With the comfort with which all, uh, of all comfort who comforts us, which are, we are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, in his discomfort, so through Christ we may share abundantly in his comfort as well. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 5. And though we may be homeless in this world, because Jesus died and rose again and ascended into heaven, he now prepares a room for us, an eternal home in the glory of his Father. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you for the uncertainties of following you that drive us uh, into the certainty of your love and grace for us. Father, in those times when we're anxious and fearful, we don't know what tomorrow will bring, help us to anchor our faith in you, Lord. Help us to remember that though we may feel homeless, though we may feel exposed, you care for us. You will take care of us. And our hope then is in the certainty uh, that one day we will be with you forever and ever. We long for that certainty, and we have it today. We thank you for that in the gospel. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.